Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. We've got another wonderful show in store for you. We'll get started in just a minute. But first, before I introduce my guest, is a little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. Of course, for those of you who haven't gotten it yet, it's available at everydayawakeningbook.com. So this section of the book is entitled, Between You and I, There is a Living, Breathing Field. There is a relationship that exists between everything, between us and the person across from us, between ourselves and our partner, and a third relationship that we don't that we often don't think about. That is the relationship to the third entity that is created between two or more people. It gets created between a husband and wife, between a parent and a child, between a teacher and a student, any relationship of two or more individuals. This third entity is very important. It is the glue that holds us together or breaks us apart. It is the force that creates communities, companies, and countries. This entity of relationship lives in the field that is generated when we come together. Have you felt it? Have you acknowledged it? Have you looked at a relationship from the perspective of a third living entity? There's great value in adopting this perspective on relationships. When deciding if something is good for us, we can measure it with three different questions. Is it good for us? Is it good for the other person? Is it good for the relationship? This is true whether it is a personal, business, or intimate relationship. This new perspective, this new entity, if we treat it as a living, breathing being, we can then know what we need to do to support it, to grow it, to allow it to thrive. We, have, we all have relationships that have gone bad. Perhaps this perspective can help restore them. What relationships do you have that can use some attention? So this section of my book... Uh, This was a concept, the idea that there's a third entity involved was something that I'd heard many, many years ago. Uh, But then through working with my dear friend, Jennifer Huff, she kind of brought it back up and and it, and it's sort of part of the, the work that she does. And so because it had been fresh in my mind, I, I wrote this, this little section in my book because so often when we talk about relationships, when we talk about uh, uh, challenges that we have with another person or group of people, we have a tendency to just think in terms of just us and them, right? It's me and the other person, and that's it. And, and those are the only two perspectives we see. However, when we pull back and look at it from a distance, there's this third entity, this third um, person, eh, you know, this third being, which is the beingness of the relationship itself. 
And we, when we look at things from the point of view of the relationship itself, suddenly things kind of take on a different context, a different meaning. Because then it's not just about how we're relating to the other person or how the other person is relating to us. It is about how we come together. It is about the quality of the, the energy that exists between us. Kind of like the same way that there's a lot of distance on a, on a microscopic level. There's a lot of difference between an electron and a proton at the center of an atom. But there's a relationship between the two of them. The same is true as of as, of, as individuals. And, and again, it's not just even between people. It's between uh, a, a person and their pet. It's between a person and their home. It's between us and the environment, us and the planet. I mean, just pick any kind of relationship. There's more than just the us and them. And that's really what I was trying to get at with, with this passage in my from my book. Because let's face it, like no relationship is perfect. We all have challenges. And so when we're having a challenge with the other person and we have these feelings come up, are these feelings about just us and the other person or their actions? What about how we feel about the relationship in general? And so sometimes it's learning about our commitment to the relationship, not the commitment to the other person, but the commitment to the relationship. And when we are dealing with challenges and we look at our commitment to the relationship, then we can kind of say, oh, you know what? Yes, I know this is a little bit challenging right now. However, I'm still committed to the relationship, even if what this other person is doing doesn't feel that good in the moment. It, it, it gives us sort of a different perspective, a different way of looking at things. And I find that, especially when I work with coaching clients, when I talk with friends, that when you pull back and look at the relationship as its own entity, suddenly there's a different perspective. Suddenly, there's a different way of considering things. And then now it, it's sort of like we have another aspect to consider. It's not just about us and them. It's about the we that's created by the us and them. And, and I mean, you've heard, it, you've heard me say it before on, on the show, um, that there is no them, right? There's only us. And, and in a way, there's, there's only the we. There's only the, the, the connection of, of, of us together. So um, just a different way of thinking about relationships, of thinking about our connection to everything around us. Like I said, it, it's not just about our connection to other people. It's our connection to our houseplants, to the, the things we have in our home, our clothes, our, our, our food, our environment, everything, our building. So I want you to think about that and think about this, you know, till next week and, and kind of get the idea of like, hmm, you know, what's, what's my relationship to the relationship with this other person, with this other thing? 
and see if that might give you some perspective, some insight that might help to deal with whatever kind of difficult situation you might be in. So again, that's uh, from my book, Everyday Awakening. And of course, you can get that at everydayawakeningbook.com. So now it is my uh, uh, wonderful pleasure to introduce to all of you author and Ayurvedic practitioner, Heather. Oh, Heather, I'm going to butcher your last name. <laughs> Grisich? You could say it's Grish. Grish? Yeah. Okay. Well, Heather is an American expert in the natural healing practices of Ayurvedic medicine. Heather is the author of the Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility, host of the Wisdom of the Body podcast, and teaches the regenerative fertility method to support future generations worldwide. She credits Ayurveda with healing her own fertility issues, helping her conceive naturally and have a child the year she turned 40. Hmm. My mom was 41, I think, when she had me. That was a long time ago. Uh, A board-certified Ayurvedic practitioner with a master's degree in Ayurveda, Heather also serves on the board of directors for the National Ayurvedic Medical Association to develop Ayurveda as a viable profession in the United States, and previously worked in product development, strategic planning, and consulting roles with healthcare companies and HR departments, and even some state and government healthcare programs. And welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Heather. Oh, thanks, Sam. It's really nice to be here with you. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you on your show. Um, a big shout out to Roshanak for connecting us way back when. Um, I hope, hope she's listening in today. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, uh, was was like this path of, of getting into healing work, was this something that you were always interested in from the time you were young? Or was this something that sort of developed later on in life? I don't think I was ever interested in healing work. Um, (laughs) I was just interested in boys my whole life. No. (laughs) Hence the baby. (laughs) Exactly. No. So I, you know, I, I was one of these people that had a midlife crisis in my thirties. That was my midlife crisis. I think other people have them in their other decades. Yes. Um, That's pretty young for a midlife crisis. Mine was in my thirties and (laughs) It happened because I I wanted to have a family and I just was getting caught up in how that was going to happen. I was getting caught up in what I wanted and I was also getting caught up in like my physical being, you know, like Mm. I tried to get pregnant in my early thirties. I was married at the time. This Mm. was when I was back in the corporate world and um, we didn't get pregnant and then we ended up getting divorced and I went through a bunch of things in my thirties. I was teaching yoga and I went back to Ayurveda. I went to get a master's degree in Ayurveda. Fast forward, I'm 35 and I'm going, am I ever going to have a kid? You know, every woman, mm. once she hits 35, she's like, um, Oh, I better start paying attention to this thing. If she hasn't already had a child and it's becoming more and more common now, especially with yeah. very you know educated women, um, it's even more likely mm-hmm. to be the case. So I, kind of put all my energy into it. And when I was in Ayurveda school and I just, everything I was doing was to answer this question, am I going to become a mother? And it didn't happen Mm -hmm. for me in my early thirties. And so I luckily ended up, you know, meeting somebody and having a child and it, it all happened like really smoothly because there was all of this mind, body, spirit work I did on myself. Uh in the middle of those two periods, um, of time. And so that my drive to learn about 
health Mm -hmm. was what led me to healing. I didn't, I didn't want to be a healer or anything like that. It was just this insatiable curiosity about like my own healing that led me to learning about this. And then I was like, whoa, why doesn't anybody else know about this? So I'm curious, just quickly before we take our first break, what was it about Ayurveda that really attracted you? Because there are all kinds of of, of ancient healing modalities is acupuncture, Chinese medicine, um, all, all kinds of things. What was it around, around about Ayurveda that kind of drew your attention that really captured your imagination? I think in some ways it was just the natural progression because I had started studying yoga. I was really into yoga. I uh, meditated. Okay. I was a yoga teacher. I taught yoga teacher trainings and I learned about it that way. So in some ways I was primed for it. And that's why a lot of the people that I work with are yogis. So, uh, cause they've already been brought into that paradigm and they've already started paying attention to their bodies more because Ayurveda mm. is not for somebody who doesn't have body awareness. It's like impossible mm. to make progress because they have to know something about themselves and how they operate in order to give you good information as a healer so that you can help them. Right. Right. So it's really, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Let's take our first break. And when we come back, I just want to talk, you know, give our audience a little more kind of background on Ayurveda itself, how old it is. Um, Oh, I see Sonia checking in on the Facebook live. Glad you could join us today, Sonia. And, and sort of the, uh, you know, uh, how Ayurveda has helped you, I mean, besides helping you to get pregnant and having a healthy baby, like what are the other benefits of it and and sort of, you know, how Ayurveda is working its way into the, the, the modern day healthcare system. Okay, Heather? Yeah, sounds great. Wonderful. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on talkradio.nyc and all over Facebook via our Facebook Live. And we will be right back after these messages. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, we're speaking this hour with Heather uh, Gritch, thank you. Beautiful. Um, um, an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner and, and on the board of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. So um, I wanted to give our audience just a little bit of background about Ayurveda and, and you know, what it is and, and how is it different from other things, like I mentioned, Chinese medicine and acupuncture and other kinds of ancient healing modalities. Sure. Again, it's so lovely to be here with you, Sam. And yes, so Ayurveda is, it actually literally means the Sanskrit definition is the science of life. Mm -hmm. So in some ways it sounds a little bit like biology, you know, in our language, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, obviously looks at things a little bit differently. It comes from India. It's thousands of years old. And so one of the ways it's different is that it's an indigenous medicine to the Indian subcontinent rather than Chinese medicine, which came from China or, you know, somebody who practices in the Andes, their form of indigenous medicine, you know, because every culture, every place has had, you know, medicines where people were connected to the land, where they knew the plants, where they understood our connection with nature, where they didn't have Netflix and chocolate peanut butter, um, <laughs> chocolate covered peanut butter cups from Trader Joe's and <laughs> all I like, the wonderful. <laughs> I like Trader Joe's chocolate covered peanut butter cups. It's pretty good. Yeah. And, and also they may have also had these kind of like witchy people that were kind of weird in their culture that did rituals and strange things and were somehow more connected with the plants than people or somehow more connected with some weird spiritual realm than other people were or something like that. So each culture has these, the one that came from India is a little bit different because it's been very well documented. Mm. It's very well documented and also it's older. So it, it also influenced Chinese medicine, influenced Tibetan medicine. It's all, it's influenced a lot of other forms of medicines, including, including naturopathy. Mm. Yeah. And, and I've heard of, uh, there's a thing called five element theory, which is really sort of central to Ayurvedic medicine, isn't it? Yes. So in Chinese medicine, there's a five element theory, which people may be familiar with. And there's also a five element theory in Ayurvedic medicine and the elements are a little bit differently. And Mm. really it's nothing more than people have to look at the world through some paradigm. So how you slice it and dice it may be differently. So you call, you know, one system of the body, one thing, and they call it, you know, that same part as part of a different system in their form of medicine. It's the same part, but people just are sort of looking at things differently. So um, the five elements in the Vedic system, because this really is a whole, Ayurveda comes out of even the spiritual texts of Ayurveda. So it's a biological medicine that's connected to, to a spirituality and, and mm-hmm. to their myths even. So the, 
you know, even the, the fire God from the ancient Vedic literature became the digestive fire in Ayurveda, uh. like how you cook your food. So we have um, space, air, fire, water, and earth are the mm. five elements. And they go from the most subtle to the most gross, like space. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You know, it's there. You can infer that it's there. You know, it's boundaries, but it's hard to sort of put your finger on all the way to earth, which is, you know, the hardness of the table or anything physical in our environment. It's, it's when you learn about Ayurveda, you can connect it to a lot in physics actually. Mm. Yeah. It makes physics make sense to me. And I have no physics background, but when <laughs> physicists talk, I'm like, Oh, I kind of get that because I studied Ayurveda. And in fact, what's interesting is the word Adam mm -hmm. comes from the Sanskrit word Atma, which is soul. Oh, oh, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. Cool, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's got this paradigm of the five elements. And then there's this understanding that we each have a different combination of these elements within us. And our, you know, when the egg and the sperm came together when and created Sam, that there was like a way about you that maybe your body was different than a different body. Um, the body next to you, even a sibling, you're different than a sibling, you're different than right. your parents, you're different than that person that walks up the street. So it tried to understand, well, how are people different than each other? Why do their bodies do different things? Mm. And what can we do to bring that body back into balance with its appropriate nature mm. that it was intended to have in that initial smashing together of the cells? When you first started studying Ayurvedic medicine, what about it surprised you the most? Like what, when you looked at it, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Wow. Um, I think initially it was understanding the elements because I can look at the periodic table of elements and my smart mind can, you know, learn about all the electrons and all the blah, 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 and all the placement of everything. And, but I could never get an intuitive feel for the elements. Mm. I could never, there was always something going on in my head. So it was like head learning for me. But when I learned in this simpler way, I could look at the world in this, this elemental way. And it somehow allowed me to feel it more in my body when I perceived it. It was less of this like head knowledge thing. Mm. It's hard to explain, actually. <laughs> right. So, so it's something that, that sort of you intuitively were able to sink into as opposed to sort of logically figuring everything out. Intuitively and also on a sensory level. Sensory. Mm -hmm. You know, gotcha. so if you can really connect with your sensory body and how you're walking and feel like, oh, how does this thing feel to me? Not just emotionally, but when, when mm. my, does it feel hot or does it feel cold or does it? You know, these very common sense, easy ways of looking at the world that those of us who are very smart somehow seem to forget because we like yeah. things that are complicated. <laughs> um, yeah, it just felt like it kind of connected me more with my animal that is my body. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And so for you, the primary driver was was around fertility, it was around having a baby. And then you 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 did have a baby. He did, did help you. What then made you want to go out and help other women with the same issue? 
Yeah. So actually it was more than just the fertility thing that, okay. you know, brought me to it because I don't think I really realized I was having a fertility issue, uh, you know, because a lot of women they're like, Oh, my periods are regular or, you know, certain, certain things, you know, you go on the pill for 30 years until you want to have, or 20 years until you want to have a kid or 10 years until you have a kid. And like, whatever's even going on with you, you don't even know because you've just been sort of mm. medic medicated to right. kind of conform to whatever, you know, standard you're supposed to be at. And I didn't really realize I had a problem until my thirties. Um, uh, and so, but I did know that I had other problems. I knew that I had heartburn. I knew that I had, uh, you know, other things, stress. I knew that I, um, you know, so other things that were going on and Ayurveda gave me a solution to even something like heartburn, oh. <laughs> you know, where it's like, Oh, if you just like eat this instead of this, you won't get the heartburn. Um, whereas in my twenties I had heartburn and it was really bad. And I would go to my doctor and get, you know, these medications to reduce my digestive enzymes when I was just making poor decisions. I was over-exercising. I was eating too much. I was eating at the wrong times, you know, all these things. And Ayurveda helped me see that, oh, actually what I'm doing is contributing to this. Right. What, and I do have some control over my own health and I want to learn what that is. So that was really, in addition to the fertility thing that drew, drove me to it. And then once that happened, so when I uh, did my master's degree, I wrote my thesis on fasting and sort of the, oh. yeah, the physical, the physiological, so the physiological is spiritual and the mental benefits of fasting, all three mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the Ayurvedic perspective. And I looked through what all the religions said about fasting. And I looked through what everything that exists on PubMed at the time. And this was before things like intermittent fasting got super popular. It was right, right. before that. And then uh, also looked through what all the Ayurvedic texts said about fasting. So I just looked from the religions, from modern medicine, and from this form of ancient medicine, what could I find about it? But not only did I do that, I actually practiced it while I was writing my thesis because I didn't want it to just be head learning. I wanted it to be uh, like this little experiment I was doing on myself at the same time and feel it. What does it do to people and how, how, how would I do this? Well, so I will tell you that in that process, I improved my fertility. I got rid of a tumor. Ooh. I got off all med like I wasn't on medications, but I was on herbs, which I would also consider a form of medication. Right. right? But I, I was, I, I was able to get off even all the herbs I was on just by fasting. Wow. I was like, whoa, this is really interesting. So that was actually one of that kind of transformation was one of the big things. I was like, well, people don't have to do something so complicated in order to get results. They just need to know like exactly what's right for them. But people are trying all these things. They hear about all these health fads and they want to try them. They don't know if they're good for them because they don't really know what's going on in their body to start. Right. right. And, and, you know, it was an important thing you said before, like Ayurveda is not just about what you're putting into your body, but it's like the time of day you eat. It's what you eat. It's, it's like a whole it looks at a lot of different aspects, not just, oh, if you're not feeling well, take this herb or, or, or take this, this supplement. For or sure. Something. For sure. And also, is that thing right for your body? Right. Right. And there's and, a whole way to understand that in Ayurveda, like uh, why something would be right or not right for your body in that moment, in that season, because even our bodies change seasonally, which is mm -hmm. a whole huge topic.
Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a good friend who for many, many years uh, suffered from chronic fatigue. And then she finally started working with an Ayurvedic practitioner and, and she's much, much better. I mean, she's, she's not a hundred percent. She's probably 80%, but uh, I mean, she really credits Ayurveda with, with helping her to really improve tremendously from where she had been before. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I notice on the Facebook live, we also have loyal listener, William joining us. And uh, Sonia says, I, I can kind of relate uh, to Heather as I have, dabbled in Ayurveda more so as I am called to Taoist traditional Chinese medicine myself, the more intuitive than heady understanding of elements and how they relate and interact. So fascinating. Great, Sonia. Thank you. All right. So we're going to take our next break. And when we come back, um, I'd like to talk about, you know, how you've gotten really into Ayurveda, you know, through the association and trying to integrate it or, or get it to be more accepted by, you know, human resource departments and by the, the public in general. Let's talk about that sort of challenge and that path that you're on. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back talking all about Ayurveda after these messages. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour Awakening Humanity. So, Heather, um, besides getting your master's in Ayurveda and becoming an Ayurvedic practitioner, like you're really out there. I mean, you're, you, you've served on the board of the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. Why is there such a, a, a desire to get Ayurveda more accepted in the mainstream, I guess? I think those of us who are 
you know, really behind this. Um, we just know something's missing from the healthcare system. We yeah. just know it. I think everybody knows it. Right. <laughs> everybody knows it. <laughs> no one knows how to, how to make it better. No one knows how to make it better in the system. Um, I worked in, okay. So my background was, I came from health insurance world. Ah, yeah. Okay. I worked and for so, a health insurance company. I worked part-time. I worked for GHI for many years. Okay. I, I used to work for a company called Delta Dental years ago. And, ah, okay. Yeah. yeah um, and I worked with, you know, as a consultant for a bunch of other companies, but so I was struck when I was in that industry, you know, by all the lingo used in the culture and, you know, the idea of, you know, um, that that's more about the financial, the financing of healthcare. Right. right. But right. then people are making decisions about what healthcare is being financed. And those right. are, you know, those are like policy decisions. And so then there becomes this paradigm of, okay, this is an acceptable method of care. Right. And this is not an acceptable method of care. And so the health insurance industry has a big influence on what kind of healthcare people get and have access to in the United States. And that happens whether you get it from your insurance company through your employer or whether you get it through a state government program like Medicare or Medicaid mm -hmm. um, or something like that. So that I realized how much that system was influencing health. And then I also would look around and go like, hmm you guys don't seem really healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like the health seems to be declining, not getting better. <laughs> and also the people that were working there, you know, and um, that actually I, one of the last projects I almost took in that was uh, to write the strategic plan for one of the major health uh, medical insurers um, in the country, oh. which happens to be a staff model company that I really love and really respect. But I got caught up in this, you know, thing where I, I walked around the office and I was like, everybody looks like fat and sick and like, <laughs> I don't want to work here, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't, you know, because in Ayurveda, we have this paradigm of like increases like. So mm -hmm. the reason that a, a, a food does something to you or a, a medicine does something to you is because it has certain properties and then it puts those properties in you. And like, mm. we all know about this idea of having positive influences and negative influences and that the people in your environment have an effect on you. But mm. I think people usually think about that on a mental level, but right. what if people actually had like physical effects on each other mm -hmm. as well? I don't know that people have really studied that enough, to be honest. Right. So I really was struck by how, um, how that system worked and I was gravitating toward this you know, self-healing, natural medicine, you know, let me connect more with my simpler way of being energy or whatever I was mm -hmm. going on this path. And that um, really just made me realize that, okay, well, we we're giving people access to this system that runs one way and we need to create uh, ways to fill the gaps so people can actually be healthy. And right. It, right now, a lot of the things people do to be healthy, they're not related to their doctor at all. Yeah. Like there's stuff, it's stuff you do at home 
Right. Right. And, and, and it's something like I've heard many friends kind of sarcastically say, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system because it's all about taking care of someone once they're sick, not helping them to stay healthy, which is a completely different perspective, right? It's about how do we live our life and what can we do to stay healthy so that we never have to go to the doctor or never, not never have to go, but never have to have an operation or never have to be put on drugs and stuff. I mean, I'm, you know, I've resisted going on uh, medications for years. I have high cholesterol and I'm like, I'll, I'll take red yeast rice. You know, I'll work with something natural. I'll, I'll, I'll cut, you know, uh, some of the high cholesterol foods out of my diet. I'll, I'll, I'll do some things to, to, to manage it better because I don't want to have my body dependent on a drug to to maintain a a healthy lifestyle yeah and no disrespect to doctors so anybody who is a doctor or anybody who loves doctors or who has a doctor or needs a doctor i have doctors too like Mm -hmm. this is not Mm -hmm. about doctors being bad or i you know i we all need a doctor but we also need we also need a way to understand our own bodies to care for them better. And we're not educated right. about them when we're growing up. We're taught right. about math and science and all the things of the world. And maybe we have, and maybe we're taught about spirituality because we had a church or a religion that we were in, but we were never taught about how our minds work. And we mm-hmm. were never taught about how our bodies work. And even right. if we studied, because I'll tell you, a lot of my clients are doctors. Really? Yes. Even if you've studied medicine, it doesn't mean that you understand what's going on in your own body because it's a different skill. It's a different skill to look at what's going on in somebody else versus what's going on inside you. Mm. It's really different. And so I feel Ayurveda helps fill that gap of empowering people to, so you go to your doctor and you have better information you're more aware of what's going on inside your body. You're aware of what you can do at home. You're aware of what is within your control to be healthy. And you know that to me, that is like the beautiful sweet spot. We focus a lot on preventive medicine and, Mm -hmm. you know, lifestyle in Ayurveda. There's also, you know, in India, it's a whole, there's like hundreds of thousands of Ayurvedic doctors. It's really different in India versus in the United States where we're just trying to figure out, well, how does this fit within our existing paradigm or existing healthcare system where Ayurveda was there before you had quote unquote allopathic medicine right, in, in right. India. So it's more part of the fabric of the community where your grandfather might've been an Ayurvedic doctor and he grew the plants at home and the people in the village would come and get the plants and get the medicines from the doctor. You know, that's how it works more there, but even it's also changing there in India to become a little bit more like Western medicine. Yeah. yeah you know, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, how long now have you been working with Ayurvedic medicine? So I finished my master's degree in 2016. And I started practicing um, because I I was a practitioner before that. So probably I would say since like 20, almost eight years now. Almost eight years. Yeah. And, And so I'm curious, like over that eight year period, have you noticed a difference between like how open people are to the idea of Ayurvedic medicine than before? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, yes, because Courtney Kardashian just um, did Ah. Panchakarma, which is, you know, this very like, you know, elaborate cleansing 
procedure that we take people through mm. in Ayurveda. So yes, if the Kardashians are doing it now, it's become this sort of like mainstream mm. thing. Uh, but people still can't pronounce Ayurveda. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's a hard, you know, in this in this culture, and pe- because it is not like acupuncture where you acupuncture is very tangible. I go to a person and they stick needles in me and maybe they give me herbs, but they give me this really tangible service, which is they stick needles in me and I feel something. Right. Whereas Ayurveda is more multidimensional than that. We don't just have one thing we do to you. Right. And I think that's why it's a little bit confusing because, you know, the wellness magazines write about it. A lot of people want to know about Ayurveda as a system of medicine and also because people really want to know about the self-healing aspect of it. So it, it's many things right now, you know, someday we might be known as the people who do pancha karma, or someday we might be known if we become like this, you know, if we get put in a box at some point, mm. which we might, um, then we may become known as the people who do this thing, but it's really multidimensional. And the purpose is to have a person live in harmony with nature. And there's a lot right. of different ways you do that. Right. Right. And, and and it's one of the things that for me personally, I've always thought was kind of not good about the American healthcare system is it's very focused on like you have all these different specialists who all focus on a different aspect of the body and a different thing. And there's like nobody really looking at the overall thing, looking at your lifestyle, you know, looking at really the fundamental causes of, of a condition where we might be out of balance around something as opposed to, well, okay, let's just look at this one system. And so Ayurveda really takes a much more holistic view of the person as opposed to, oh, they've got a pain in their foot. Let's figure out what's wrong with their foot. Yeah. And in fact, because I've decided to, I, I actually, one of the reasons I decided to narrowly focus on fertility because, mm-hmm. you know, I, there are other Ayurvedic practitioners that don't have a, like a specialty. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons I decided to do that was because I thought no one can pronounce this. It's a harder sell for me to sell Ayurveda to somebody. They mm-hmm. don't even know what it is, but they know they don't, they know they have this problem mm-hmm. and I can talk to them about their problem and how I can help them with their problem or help, you know, help them help right. themselves with their problem. So that and people are very surprised when I start to work with them that I'm not that I'm asking them questions about their digestion, that I'm asking mm. them questions about their sleep, that I'm asking them questions about their skin, because all those things tell me something that may be affecting their fertility. Right. Because obviously, right. and you know, and fertility is a is a byproduct of your health, right? right. It's a state of being. It's not do you get pregnant or and have kids. It's right. Is is are you fertile is your body fertile and that comes from a series of actions that produce a condition right in your body yeah uh, are fertility issues more of a challenge than they were in the past yeah definitely definitely really? yeah. yeah it's a huge topic and i know we're going to break soon so yeah. we may need to continue it afterwards yeah. but yeah, I, yeah. We, we may need to have you come back on the show i don't know there's so much to cover but yeah um okay so All right. So let's go to break. And when we come back, uh, let's talk about sort of some of the issues around fertility in general, and maybe around sort of the um, acceptance of Ayurveda in in the in the places like HR departments and, and health insurance companies and that challenge in general as well. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. So everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. My guest this hour has been Heather Gritch, um, an, an American Ayurvedic practi- uh, practitioner and author of the book, The Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility. And we will be right back after these messages. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. So, Heather, we, we just touched upon the topic of fertility and um, the, the, how fertility rates have been a, a bit challenging in recent years. Uh, why is it, from, from an Ayurvedic perspective, why do you see fertility as being a challenge? Well, fertility is directly connected to the health of the body. Mm-hmm. And we know people aren't as healthy as they used to be. We know that we have yeah. high rates of obesity and diabetes, and we know that those are also connected with fertility and metabolic issues are connected with fertility. That's not the whole picture though. There's also, you know, I remember seeing a statistic a couple of years ago saying that, I don't know, 74% of people had digestive issues. Wow. So yeah. And it's like, if your body is, so your body's always regenerating, right? You got Mm -hmm. some cells that are dying and new ones that are growing. And it's, you know, we're in this, we're maintaining our bodies. We're not like little kids that are just growing, 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 right? We're maintaining now. And so that, that regeneration is taking place, that constant balance. And in that your cells are, um, being influenced, the ones that the new ones that come on and the ones that go, they're all being influenced by what comes in the system and how, not just what comes in, but how you process it and, and how you process it depends on 
Was it the right food for you? Did you eat it at the right time um, for you? Did uh, how big was that meal? Could your digestive enzymes process all of it? That meal did that combination of things work well together when you took it in, almost like a little chemistry set in your belly. Mm. And so, if that process does not go well, then the tissues that are created from the byproduct of that those aren't going to form well. Mm. And then you're going to get plaques in your body and stuff like that. Okay. So digestion, even something as simple as digestion is so connected to fertility because your health is connected to your digestion and fertility is connected Mm. to your health. Fertility is also influenced by stuff that happened way before you were born that happened when, you know, you're, when you were in your mother's womb mm. or when you're, you know, if you're, 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 uh, you're, you know, the eggs for the female, uh, mm. they're created when she's in her mother's womb. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So like a baby girl that's growing in her mother, her, her, all of her follicles and eggs are, are being created when she's an a fetus an yeah. and when she's a fetus i'm sorry so at a certain month in the process so we're there's an influence that happens intergenerationally but there's a whole bunch of stuff that we've done in our lives and that have we've been affected by in our environment that affects our health and that mm. then affects our fertility so that's why you know the the health thing is uh, people are less healthy And when Mm. people are less healthy, fertility, and there's a bunch of reasons why people are less healthy. We could talk about lifestyles. We could talk about the food Mm. that we eat. We could talk about, you know, a whole bunch of things, people, you know, losing touch with themselves. And I think everybody's trying to get that back now because even something like COVID has taught us two people can get the same virus and something very different happens to their bodies. Yes. Why? Right. Right. Why? I'm curious from an Ayurvedic perspective, I know it's a, it's a very complex system and it's also very individualized, but are there maybe some general principles around Ayurveda that you think could help our audience to just some ideas to start thinking about? Yeah. So one is you have a nature that you were born with in your body and you want to understand what that is. You want to understand if you have a hot body or a cold body or a light body or a heavy body. And you want to understand that you're essentially like a system of channels in your body. And you want all those channels freely flowing in their proper direction. You know, you want food going in the mouth and coming out down, you know, you want your blood pumping in certain directions. You don't want things blocking your blood. You don't want plaques. Mm -hmm. You don't want too much blood going to an area. You don't want things constricting too much and contracting too much so that that causes high blood pressure, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, very basic things that if you can understand that you're like this system of channels Mm -hmm. and that you have a nature and a way about you. And we, I haven't even talked about doshas yet, but we have a paradigm essentially that helps people see their nature in an easy way um, that they might have a body that's more prone to inflammation. They might have a body that's more prone to degeneration. They might have a body that's more prone to growths and tumors and things like that. And there's little signs that happen throughout your whole life that tell you that, that point back to, oh, I have this nature. And I think people try to understand that through genetic testing now, but even that people look at it like, what does this even mean? Right. So this goes back to that, like, there's a simple way to understand it. Mm. that 
that people can get from looking at it through a paradigm like Ayurveda. And so looking at the doshas, which is essentially similar to looking at the body through the five elements and your combination of the five elements, essentially. Right, right, right. So um, that's it, one way. Yeah. It, it, you mentioned before about fasting and, 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 the, and, and how you did paper on fasting. And I read a book years and years ago, probably in the nineties about some researcher who was studying fasting in mice and he found that like when he gave them, I don't know, I think it was 80% of their, what they should be getting in terms of calories per day, that they were living much longer. And so he started doing the fasting himself and he would fast yeah. like one day a week or like three, four days a month or something like that. What from, from your research and what you've done, um, I mean, and you mentioned like intermittent fasting, like just to give our audience something like how can we use fasting to help us to be a little healthier. Yeah. So first let me say that fasting is not appropriate for everybody, but mm -hmm. it is appropriate for a lot of people in the modern world. Uh, yes. So I think partially is if you understand your body type and you understand what's going on in your body, you can understand that you might have a body that's more likely to need that. And mm -hmm. I think it's a safe thing that people can try you know, let's say, unless they have a history of eating disorders, you know, that's a whole separate thing, but I think it's safe enough that most people can try it. Mm -hmm. And what I have people do as a test is basically wake up in the morning and observe your hunger, not just like when you're used to eating things like that, but your real hunger, like when your stomach is growling and you get that mm -hmm. burning sensation, the kind of hunger where you're like, I could actually kill for my food right now, <laughs> <laughs> which most of us don't have because we have such yes. easy access to food, yes. right? Yes. So we're used to eating at certain times and stuff like that, but that doesn't mean that's when our body needs it. It may be because that's when we're programmed to do it. Right. So, right. So we want to start to look at well, when does my body actually need food? And then you can also look at, well, how much does it need? You know, I don't count calories. I've not counted calories probably for 10 years or something because I, I just look at things a little more in a qualitative way. Like, is this mm -hmm. food, is this food dense? Is it, you know, is it light? Is it heavy? Is it creamy? Is it clear? Mm -hmm. you know, what are the qualities to it? Cause those qualities are then going to create those qualities in my body as it mixes right. together. So have this test. What time, what time do I feel that growling, burning hunger? Would I normally mm. eat before that? Mm -hmm. Start there. That's what I would have people do is start there. And I, I, there's a lot of different ways to structure fasting, yeah. but I think that's a great place to start because it helps you understand that, oh, maybe I'm eating when I'm not actually hungry. Right. Right. And you know, it's emotional that, eating yeah. as some people say. Or just habitual Habitual, sometimes yeah. not even like negative intention or no, you know, weird thing going on psychologically, just right. I'm used just, to doing it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like this whole notion that we've been programmed of three meals a day. Not everybody needs three meals a day. Some people, two meals a day is enough. Some people, one, if their metabolism is low enough, one meal a day. But it also depends what you're eating and, and, and the, like you said, the quality of your food. But yes, I think just that basic principle of like not eating until you're actually hungry. It's such a simple, basic idea, but it's something we never think about. So thank you. I think that's yeah. 
can help our audience. So we're, we're almost at the end of our show. I'd be remiss in my duties if I did not give you a chance to let people know if they want to learn more about you or listen to your podcast or your website. How would people find out more information about you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sam. I would love to connect with anybody who's interested in learning about Ayurveda or about, you know, specifically for fertility. My website is heathergrish.com. That's heather, G-R-Z-Y-C-H dot com. You can learn about the Wisdom of the Body podcast there. You can learn about connecting with me and what Ayurveda is. And also, if you're just curious about Ayurveda, you can go to the National Ayurvedic Medical Association website um, and learn about Ayurveda there as well. And it's been really lovely being here with you. Well, Sam. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, uh, just out of curiosity, when does your podcast drop and, and what platforms is it on? So my podcast drops on thir- typically Thursday night specific time and it's on uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Ghana, Player FM, and uh, Amazon Music. Beautiful. Or Beautiful. my website. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and I, and I did forget to mention, I saw William posted one last comment. That is health insurance. Uh, they're not up to date on holistic medicine, and he has to go to one and has to pay uh, out of pocket, meaning he has to go to a holistic practitioner and pay out of pocket, which I think is what most people have to end up doing these days is, uh, you know, if it, if you're looking for a non-allopathic solution to something, it, it's usually costing you money and the insurance companies aren't going to cover it. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, points to this idea that the healthcare system really is a sick care system and it's trying to be a preventive system. But one of the things I found so interesting because I worked in product development for a healthcare system and I would look at all the diagnosis codes and I would look at all the medical codes that they mm-hmm. use to code things to get paid. And, and I would they would have all these things listed under preventive care. And I was like, that's not preventive care. That's, <laughs> I was like, that's weird. Why is that listed under preventive care? Preventive care is, yeah. you know, how I'm eating in my kitchen. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's, you do have to, take the power into your own hands and see what you can do outside. And it is unfortunate that, you know, no one else is going to pay for it for you right now. And, um, you know, we need to work on that for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Heather, it's been a pleasure having you. You're welcome to come back. Um, Maybe another book is in the works or there's something in the works in the future program or something you want to let people know about. Let me know and we'll you come back on. Yeah. If you do have listeners that are interested in fertility specifically, every month I do a free event, um, mind, body, spirit, fertility activation. And so that's something that they can check out. And I recommend that if you're interested in learning about that, connect with me on my email list or follow me on Instagram. And uh, it's really fun. And, you know, just giving people an avenue to connect with this, that journey on a deeper level. Uh, The next book, I don't know what it's going to be yet. Maybe on fasting. We'll see. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And I put the link to your website into the Facebook Live, so go check out her website. Thank you all. Thank you, Heather, and thank you all for tuning in today. I appreciate you all. Don't forget, later today at 5 p.m., Frank About Health with his show, being a health advocate. And, of course, Friday we have our whole block of business-related shows, and then Monday we start all over again. Make sure you go to talkradio.nyc and sign up for our newsletter as well if you haven't yet so you know what's coming up each week. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week. listening to
uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 